Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning and welcome to Dirt Radio. This is your host, Phil Evans, and I am broadcasting live from the land of the Wurundjeri people in the Kulin Nation, where sovereignty has never been ceded. We pay our respects to Elders past and present and send a big hello to all First Nations listeners listening today um, and acknowledge the important role that First Nations people play in environmental and social justice struggles. This is Dirt Radio. It is Friends of the Earth show on 3CR, community radio, love it. Um, And this is a show where we dig in deep and look at what's happening around at Friends of the Earth and also in the wider grassroots activist community. Today on the show, we're going to talk about climate justice, but climate justice and LGBTIQA plus liberation What is the intersection? How does it work? And dig in a little bit into the importance of bringing everyone on board as we move for climate action. Of course, yesterday, um, people are probably aware the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, dropped a report confirming really what many people who have been working around the climate issue already knew Things aren't looking great, but there is still opportunity to take action, to remove a lot of the uh, carbon and the methane emissions going into the atmosphere by stopping new fossil fuel developments, changing our transport system and changing the way we do agriculture. But it also requires a change in the way that we do everything in our life. As uh, Naomi Klein would say, to change everything, we need everyone. So today on Dirt Radio, we're going to talk about that and in particular, zooming in on queer rights and what has it got to do with climate justice. We'll be talking with Ziana Fwade, who is a National Liaison Officer with Friends of the Earth, an amazing activist and a queer person, as well as I'll be sharing my experience as a queer person and an activist. So stay tuned and we'll be back on Dirt Radio in just a moment. There's kind of a lot of a lot of things that are coming up to the fore at the moment as well, particularly in terms of the way that we imagine, for example, essential work and also sort of essential community life or essential caregiving um, and how those how those function. If we think about sort of the way that queer family often takes very, very sort of different forms and very, you know, important and meaningful forms that often don't match the picture of normative, heteronormative family life. But how so many of the of the affordances or the restrictions or the kind of the, the government governmental sort of imagining of the way that we should live and what we need to live and what we need to survive really is shaped around heteronormativity. You know, it's around the family life in the suburb, as opposed to many, you know, single 
individuals who have shared queer family, both sexual and community connections that sustain them and that kind of give them give them life and give them give them sort of energy and comfort and safety and security and support. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. That's right, you are on 3CR. This is Dirt Radio. Phil Evans here joining you for the show, Friends of the Earth Show. And today we are talking about climate justice and what has it got to do with LGBTIQA plus liberation. And I'm pretty excited to have a good comrade of mine, I will say, dare say friend as well, um, an all-round inspirational activist, Zianna, who is joining me uh, from out of state, which is pretty exciting. Um, Zianna, are you there? And where are you? I'm tuning in from Gumbanga country in so-called New South Wales on the East Coast. And lots of love sending from everyone in Victoria up there in New South Wales, trying times at the moment. But you're in a um, particularly interesting place at the moment, aren't you? Yeah. Well, I'm at Camp Nungu, um, which is a forest blockade, trying to protect a thousand hectares, a really special biodiverse koala-rich forest um, that's under threat from imminent logging. Uh, amazing work up there. And it's such a... Um, a um, inspirational campaign and beautiful stories coming out of there, a uh, beautiful First Nations-led campaign that um, is really highlighting the importance of protecting country as we move forward, in particular after yesterday's very um, distressing news from the IPCC about climate change. It's not looking good and we need to protect all those carbon sinks we can. Yeah, you're so right. I feel very honoured to have the camp um, being opened by Gumbanga Elders. And, yeah, we know that logging um, under a climate emergency is criminal. So we're trying to do all we can to protect these beautiful forests and join with other united forest fronts across the continent too. Sure. And I'm going to put some links up so you can uh, find out more about that campaign, um, which uh, perhaps we will talk about in another episode more in detail on Dirt Radio. But today I wanted to talk about climate justice and LGBTIQA plus liberation, and how are they entwined? But firstly, I'm interested, Z, how did you get started in activism? I was lucky enough to grow up in the forest, um, which is a beautiful privilege, but it's also really isolating. So when I was pretty bored and coming into myself, and um, I guess I spent a lot of time with the forest, and it was through that kind of immediate connection with the forest that I realised that I had to live a life giving back to the places that had given me so much. And, you know, when my teens, I started to learn about climate change. I think I went to my first talk when I was 15 mm-hmm. and I started to understand yeah, the immense struggles um, of people around me. And I, I just felt this huge calling to help protect all beings, including other human beings as well, from these systems of exploitation that cause so much destruction to the places that we love. Yeah, it's a beautiful story, and uh, I'm always so impressed with the the youth. Um, I'm approaching 40 years of age. Well, I am 40 now, actually. <laughs> I was in a little wishful thinking moment then. Um, for me, my, my story is a little bit different. Um, back in Western Australia, where I grew up, uh, it was actually the um, same-sex laws 
uh, same-sex age of consent and uh, and the law around having sex that actually like a uh, really radicalized me as a as a young person. So as a young gay man, it was illegal for me to have sex until twenty one as compared to 16 for um, all other people. And um, in a beautiful stroke of irony, um, on the 21st of March in 2002, just uh, almost exactly one month shy of my birthday, the laws changed. So for a long time, just the idea of expressing love uh, with someone or engaging what we all um, have the urge to do was an act against the law. And that really changed my perspective on what was right and what wasn't. Does your sense of identity have anything to do with taking more radical action around activism? Because I know you from spaces like the Whistleblowers Activists and Citizens Alliance um, doing this awesome forest work. You wear so many um, awesome hats in so many amazing spaces. What makes you so radical? I definitely think my queerness um, played into my radicalization. It was the first time when I was a teen coming into my full expression um, that I started to experience that kind of discrimination, you know, people calling me a fake lesbian and um, experiencing that my internal world could be misunderstood or governed by this Western culture that's carved by patriarchy that can um, end up shaming our own like unique and personal experiences. And so the combination of being socialised as a woman and also... Um, yeah, being queer, I guess, showed me the many ways that our bodies and beings are suppressed under patriarchy. And just even having a taste of that oppression, um, I still feel so privileged, but even just getting a taste of that is um, beautiful and getting us to empathise with the myriad of struggles that um, are currently being felt under these systems of oppression. Mm, for sure. One of the things that I love about the, the representation of queer life around is the the flags that we have. I love a good flag. Um, it's fun yeah. walking down the street with a flag, isn't it? Anyway, um, the green on the flag originally, because it was just a rainbow flag designed back in the 70s um, by a an American artist, um, Gilbert Baker. And the green on there actually represented environment. And each of the colours had represented a different aspect of human life. And that's kind of evolved now to include First Nations and people of colour struggles and also include more of a sense of uh, the gender diversity within the movement as well. It, it's, it's kind of makes me really think about the fact that humans and um, the environment are so inseparable and, you know, as we say at Friends of the Earth, environmental and social justice are so intrinsically linked. So how do you start to see the idea that the, the queer liberation movement is actually a part of the environment movement? Well, the struggles for, you know, against oppression are really indivisible from each other and it's, you know, the same systems like patriarchy that has positioned, you know, nature and women as both passive and also created really limited understandings of what gender means. And we know that the people that are going to be impacted by climate change are, you know, queer people, queer brown people, brown people, um, and poor people as well. And when you look at who experiences poverty in this country and many other countries, it's the queer community. And that's when we start to realise that we cannot just have, you know, zero emissions um, without thinking about all these other intersections of liberations that are entangled in our fight for justice. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's so important to to realise that, you know, as I said in the introduction to the show, to change everything, we really need to, ch- we need everyone to be on board. And 
one of the things that I love about working in the environmental justice frame or the idea that environmental and social justice are so in, in, in linked is that you actually start to see the advantages of taking these actions and building a better world. I'm always reminded there's this little cartoon, but what if we change the entire world and get off fossil fuels and stop polluting industries and climate change doesn't happen? Will it still be a better world? <laughs> so <laughs> it all makes it worthwhile in the end. And and when we think about that in terms of climate action, I mean, I, I know I've had this conversation with you um, off the air, so we might as well have it on the air <laughs> as well, <laughs> um, is that often people have seemed to have reduced climate justice to merely a slogan or a hashtag rather than it being a work of praxis or change to actually bring about something better for the world. Why do you think this is so? I think people tend to, um, you know, cling onto those hashtags to almost play lip service or to you know, appear intersectional. And I know that it comes from a really good place of intention, but really, like, the fight for our mutual liberation has to run so much deeper than that. And there were so many people that, like, were loud and part of the movement for same-sex marriage. Mm. Um, But then they've gone, you know, a bit quiet after that. And the struggles are are still continuing. And for so many of us queer people, like, same-sex marriage wasn't a true celebration. You know, there was so, there's there's a deep queerness in me that feels like same-sex marriage has straightened us more than it's bent the concept of marriage. Mm. And um, there's ways that people can do deeper work in communities, and it's more than a hashtag. It's listening to those voices, um, the queer voices on the front lines. I think there's so much that gender non-conforming, non-binary, and trans people can teach us. I love this quote by Angela Davis um, that says, if we can challenge the gender binary, then we can challenge the prisons. Mm. Like it's such incredibly um, powerful work to question gender and to patriarchy and this beautiful new movement of revolutionising all those conscriptions. And if we can do that, I reckon we can do anything. We can challenge this whole system and the state. Yeah, and and so many of these oppressions are so interlinked. I think about the colonizing forces that you know have wreaked havoc with uh, extractivism and you know white supremacy throughout this land. Are the same colonizing forces that worldwide have introduced uh, homophobic and transphobic laws. So, you know, decolonizing is not just about um, reinstating sovereignty for First Nations people, but it's actually reversing some of the imported ideals and values that came with it as well. Yep, completely. And once you start to see that, I think that it unites all of us. And I think the fight will be easier if we are able to include those struggles as one, because we know that environmental justice like, truly means that we can find mutual liberation for all people, free from like any discrimination or bias. Mm. Working for LGBTIQA plus rights like really is intersectional because it is uh, something that works across all sorts of different identities as well because obviously LGBTIQA plus people are First Nations people, people living with disabilities, working class in all sorts of different identities as well. So this is a real opportunity to really think intersectionally and, and do this sort of work. 
I just want to let people know that I'm talking to Ziana Fuade, who is a part of Friends of the Earth, amongst many other amazing hats that she wears as well, coming to us live from the wonderful Camp Nungu up in New South Wales. So cool to be talking to you up there. I'm very jealous, though, because I'm stuck in Melbourne. And we're talking about climate justice, uh, LGBTIQA plus liberation, and what have they got to do with each other? And things that we can do in order to be better in these spaces. And in a minute, we'll go through six things that people can do. But quickly, I really want to talk about the fact that a lot of the climate impacts that uh, we will face, we know that um, will be the brunt is being borne at the moment, particularly by women and children worldwide. But queer people are quite exposed as well. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, well, in the queer community, it's especially trans people um, that are statistically higher to experience poverty and homelessness. I think it's around 22%. It's really Mm. high. And they're the ones that are often also denied relief um, in natural disasters and growing climate disasters because of that discrimination or because of a lack of access to services. So they're probably and most likely to be the people most hit um, by the glowing growing climate crisis. So it feels like, yeah, if we're leaving them out of the conversation, then we're really missing a massive part of the suffering that's going to happen. Yeah, I think back to the way that I was, I was just saying before about the uh, the age of consent laws that really mobilised me and got me active as an activist way back in the early parts of the century. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know... I think those struggles and the more that us uh, queer organisers are stuck in our own liberation, the less that we've got the time to do the the other work as well. And I think what's really good about queer organisers and activists is that we've built up such resilience because of the the particular societies that we grew up and things are getting better. And I um, also acknowledge and pay respect to people who came before me and, you know, really you know, struggled harder than, than I did um, in terms of uh, the oppressiveness of the state and society, and in particular the church as well, had against people with queer identities. So I, I, I do want to um, jump into this. Uh, we've got a little list of uh, six things you can do to be less of a... Oh, I, I could only think of <laughs> naughty words to say. Damn it, I really should write better scripts for myself where I don't have to beat myself out all the time. Steps you can take to create safer spaces for um, people with queer identities when organising and campaigning. And we'll run through them now and maybe you can elaborate on each one if that's okay, Z. Yeah, of course. Cool. So number one is educate yourself about LGBTIQA plus struggles and share knowledge and resources. Just like you said, there's such an incredible history of queer resistance and, of course, to learn about the struggles themselves. And I like to think that we're resting on the backs of giants and, you know, following on those legacies of so many BIPOC and queer people that have um, fought for these struggles before us. And there's heaps online, so it's probably best if you don't go to the first queer person in your life and get them to download their experience unless they're willing to do that at the best thing you can do is type it in DuckDuckGo or something and figure out, you know, learn about the struggles, um, read some blogs and start your education from there. Sure. Number two is challenge harmful perceptions and actions, especially if you're straight and cisgendered. Yeah, everyone has a role um, in creating safer spaces 
for queer people. So often those kinds of gender roles play into how we create safe spaces. Like often women are assigned with roles of, you know, creating more community care spaces. And I just think care is a role for everyone. So when you're in spaces, be a better ally. When you hear negative or uninformed comments about the LGBTQI plus community, and explain that you find them offensive and, you know, maybe you want to call in that person and share some resources so that they can also go on their journey of becoming a better ally. Sure. Number three, never assume identity and invite people to share if they feel safe to do so. Yeah, in this beautiful space where there's so many gender non-conforming people and different expressions in the world, you can never assume anyone's identity from just looking at them. So if you're in a space, make sure you can... Make it safe to maybe put pronouns in your Zoom name or having a pronouns round at the beginning of the meeting, but always just make it optional because sometimes people don't feel safe or don't feel the need to have to explain their gender identity at the start of every meeting. But just including it means that it creates space if people need to share. Mm, That's for sure. Number four, uh, am I up to four? Yeah, I am. (laughs) (laughs) I can't count this morning. Use inclusive language in meetings and in your campaigning and organising materials. Yeah, kind of like the last one. Just remember that there's not just he or she anymore. Um, There's so many different people in this world. And when you put that in your work, it makes so many people feel seen. Uh, Number five is be deliberately inclusive. Yeah, there's a funny little, like I guess, history of sometimes in spaces of feathers to the back. (laughs) (laughs) I've had that one thrown at me before. (laughs) It's really important that queer people can express themselves in their aesthetic or in their style in any way that makes them feel safe and makes them feel seen. So if that doesn't fit your look, I think that's a real problem and that everyone, no matter how they look, should be welcomed into the photos and we should celebrate the incredible diversity and colour of the queer community because they're probably having more fun than you. Yeah, I'm clicking here in the studio. And number six is turn up and be good comrades. Yeah, turn up for the struggles. Um, There's trans rallies. I know in NAM all the time with different laws are passed. There's so many ways that you can join these struggles on the streets and in different groups, sharing content from those voices online and just acting in solidarity because, as we said, our liberation is entangled. We are almost out of time, Zianna, but thank you for joining me today and sharing your experiences and also those Really good things that I think are really implementable by anyone out there doing any sort of change-making work, particularly if you're talking about justice. Let's include everyone in that work and make it more about a praxis or a way of doing things rather than just a hashtag or a slogan that we put on with lip service to one or two different things. But let's think intersectional and get complex. Thanks, Diana. Thanks, Phil. Great to be here. Thanks again. That was um, Zianna Foyd from Friends of the Earth and so many other hats as well, talking about climate justice. Uh, what's it got to do with LGBTIQA plus liberation um, and thinking intersectionally with a great list of um, some things that you can do if you are a part of a group or doing activism at the moment. And I'll put a link up in the notes to uh, some resources that you can do, including down the shows on 3CR. And also uh, there will be published later on in Friends of the Earth magazine. 
chain reaction. So if you're a member of Friends of the Earth Melbourne, then you'll get posted a copy. But keep an eye out because that will be a part of an article later on as well. So please become a member of Friends of the Earth Melbourne and also subscribe to 3CR and keep everything radical and awesome. It is such a good thing to do to get involved in community because as they say, action is the greatest release from fear, particularly after that horrible IPCC report that came out yesterday. Let's work together to change everything and bring everyone along. Reach the end of the show. Coming up next is Billabong Beats with Gavin. It'll be a great show, so stick around on 3CR. For now, though, let's go out with a bit of an um, amazing trans icon in the Melbourne Melbourne music community. It's Simona Kastrikum. Um, a big shout-out to M. Gafer, who's a part of this band as well. Long-term listeners, I know. She used to be a part of Dirt Radio. This is called The Good In You. This is 3CR. I'll see you next week. Phil Evans signing out.